So we are finally done with chapter four. And um, so why don't we turn to chapter five, page 26. And I want to suggest, like we usually do, we're going to just start, we're going to start at 5-1 and read through 5, well, let's do 5-18, read through 5-18. Anybody want to volunteer to read all that tonight? I'll do it. All right. Go ahead, Chad. Thanks. The healing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Hey. You have Thank to you. you have to pay a few people on the way out right. for the <laughs> reserve seating. You can tip the bartender. Thank you. Are you the bartender? No. No, he is. <laughs> yeah. Or the couch tender. Yeah. All right, go ahead, Jeff. So we're on now. we're reading chapter five, by the way. Through five eighteen, right? Five one to five eighteen. Yep. Cool. The healing at the pool on the Sabbath. After this, there is a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there, who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, That man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. After Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. <laughs> Go ahead and read the last verse, too. Oh, Even though it looks sorry, like our new section is sort of connected. No, that's fine. Go ahead. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. All right, so as we usually do, just um, you guys hearing that story, I'm sure, again, probably one that's somewhat familiar, but anything that jumps out at you, sticks with you, somebody you go, hmm, I haven't seen that before, or... Well, Jesus came in a situation where there were a lot of people that wanted to be healed, and he picked that one. Oh, Okay. Uh, yeah. He he approaches the man. The man doesn't say anything. He comes in and starts talking to him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the lady at the well. <laughs> yeah. So how is it like the lady at the well when you say that? Well, he he seems to have 
sense of sense of direction, and um, he picks individuals mm. to be kind of like the doorway to bigger and better things. That's a nice way of seeing it. Yeah. All right, anybody else? Just as far as reading this. <clears throat> I have something. Yes. I actually think that this is, it's interesting when you're looking at New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, hmm. and, he, and he's very clear about working. So I have to assume I don't know what to find work back in the day, but if somebody's dying and on the Sabbath and needed some bandage, from what I'm reading, you're 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 out of luck. Yeah. According to their old law, so it's almost like to me this is one of the great representations of the new covenant mm. because he says he's working. My father's working until now, and I'm working as well. Uh huh. So it just seems like the the new birth of not so much ritualistic, legalistic, as I, I don't know if I uh, put those words up, but it seems like all of that stuff is coming to fruition that that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about, obviously, following Christ and mm -hmm. believing in the resurrection. It just kind of, to me, it might, makes it kind of sound like this is one element of those laws not being really valid anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what I read. Yeah, and I think, um, so one of the things, it's a good point, one of the things for us to keep in mind is when in John, many, most of the time, when John is referring to the Jews, he's talking about the religious establishment, he's talking about the religious leaders. The Pharisees is an example of that. And the Pharisees, as we hear Jesus talk about in other Gospels, the Pharisees, what they did was, it wasn't so much the law in the sense of what Moses, the real law, like if we went back and read the Old Testament, mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think we're going to find, do not heal a, a lame man on the Sabbath, okay? Mm -hmm. But what the Pharisees did was they started to just add all these things on top of that, um, <laughs> Come on over here, Jay. Hey, penalty box. <laughs> Jason! I was scoping out your spot before you got here. <laughs> We've got um, more in chapter 5. So, so what's happening is it's, it's, I think, in part what you're saying as far as the old versus the new covenant. But some of it is just this, all the stuff the Pharisees piled on, with all of these regulations, which the we see sort of like coming out. The tradition of men. Yeah, exactly. The commandment of God. But it's also, right. in, 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 from what I'm reading, it's, mm -hmm. it's just begin, because the Pharisees are they're supposed to be, they can do nothing wrong, and their work is everything. Right. And he's claiming, you know, it's, 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 where he's calling out the BS is yeah. really where what and that's why I guess I'm getting at is, yeah. is that's exactly what it is as opposed mm -hmm. to as opposed to what the law really said um, it's more of how they distorted that or they put on their own stuff on top of it right. which we see that sort of being played out here. I also like what you said about um, which is sort of the, a little bit the irony here is that Jesus says so he, what is he doing he's doing a work mm -hmm. right He's healing this guy. So he's working on the Sabbath. 
and he's saying, you know, my father is working until now, and I'm working. So it's like, we're doing the will of God. Even though it might not look like that to you, we're doing that. Um, yeah, so that's good to but, see that. But the thing is, you know, Jesus didn't touch him. No, Jesus right. didn't give him a bandage, give him a crutch, give him a new mat. He didn't make anything. Jesus just spoke and said, you're healed. Mm-hmm. So how could he even think that that would work? Well, do you remember that the guy walked? Yeah. He walked, and that's what that's when he started walking with his bed. Isn't that when the... Um, he was accused of it. Accused of it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... He might have, he might have started something that started um, him thinking that he was doing something. Else. I'm sorry to interrupt like that. No, that's no, just, yeah, no, no, So no. he gets up, he's walking, and then he gets called out, and they're going like, "Who did that? Why are you walking? Go sit down." Like you know, it's like he's walking, and they're calling, they're calling him out. But then that's when they want to know who's the person. Right. So who are they calling? What are they calling him out for? Calling him out for holding his bed, not yeah. for walking. His Very work, good. Yeah. That's I'm sorry. That's yeah. You're like you paralyzed guy. You're holding <laughs> your paralyzed. Par- you know. Yeah. You're, you're holding your bed, and you're not supposed to be doing that <laughs> on on Sabbath, right? And he's like, sorry, this is my first Sabbath walking. <laughs> right. And so, like, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. After thirty years. I was my first time. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this, like when we were watching the game last night. It was like I was telling my son because Mahomes got called out. For, no, Carr got called out for intentional grounding. If you guys saw the game, and so I was telling Tabor about this. I was saying, like, what's the difference? If you get called and you don't, and he's like, you know, and I, have to, I know the question he's going to tell me. He's going to say, well, Dad, it's like you're in the pocket, you know. I go, well, that means that if you were to, like, take two guys, one guy's in the pocket and one guy's not, and they threw the ball away, you're going to tell me if they were to talk to him saying, be honest with us, Did you were you really looking for a receiver? My son would say, yeah, because there was a, a, a receiver there. And so my question about that is that, it's wrong because they both know there's not a receiver there. So when you put this into the context, I saw of, that throw. You, saw that throw, <laughs> right? you see what I'm, what I'm trying yeah. to say? It's like yeah. if you were to be honest and say, were you really throwing the ball down? Was it or if, if you were like out of the pocket and you throw the ball and you throw it out of the out of bounds, you're not going to get penalized for it. But if you ask both those guys, were they both trying to find a receiver? They're both going to say yes or they're both going to say no. And that's the same way I look at this. Is yeah, like, so that, that, that goes to judging the heart, right? So like Jesus... And judge the heart, that, exactly. In, in the Sermon, but only God can do that, really. But in the Sermon <coughs> on the Mount, Jesus says, he makes some rules more strict, right? In, in this case, the Jews are making the Sabbath more strict than the heart. Like if Jesus gave a, a sermon on the Sabbath, it wouldn't be what they think it is, right? He'd make it less strict. But the other ones that they want less strict, like adultery and murder... He makes more strict, yeah, because mm. it's it's judging the heart. Well, you haven't done this yet, but you know, here's your heart about it, and yeah, it's, it seems like that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, but exactly. only God, you know, if God, if God was the ref, if Jesus was the ref, he'd be like intentional grounding, right? Yes, Patrick Mahomes. If it's Patrick Mahomes, you whatever he does is okay. <laughs> but but what I guess I'm trying to say is that once again we come across the same situation have we seen in the past and that's when you said you know did I see anything that's what I see I see this whole situation still coming up to the Jewish law and where where it just becomes 
a situation where it's getting tougher and tougher for Jesus mm-hmm. to try to be. He's trying to permeate permeate people to be mini Jesuses and mini JCs, and he's struggling with, with both now. Well, is he struggling? Well, push, push I think I think I don't think he's struggling, but wouldn't you have to say that he's he's got a goal in mind and that he's got a couple of walls up against him? Well, yeah, uh, yeah but are they walls? Why would he tell the guy to take up his bed and walk? Why didn't he just say, just walk? Stand up and walk. It's a Sabbath. Don't pick up your bed. Why did he tell him specifically to pick up the bed, knowing that there were Pharisees somewhere close by that would see him? That's why he did it. That's why he did it. Well, he did it. He, he yeah. did it for that one reason. So yeah. That, yeah, so that you know, trying to permeate the word. But by but, bias, but not yeah. just by permeating the word. He was trying to instigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, provoke. Yeah, that's right. To because call out their hypocrisy. Not just it. to call out the hypocrisy, but to set into motion that which he knew that needed to happen. Right. Right. Yeah, those yeah. following verses then, where he is equating himself with the Father. Mm-hmm. Very important. I mean, that you're right, Jason. He's setting it up so he can say that, and now the Pharisees are really ticked off. He's, oh man, he's calling himself God. Yeah, yeah he needs you know, that's, to want he's, to kill him. He's actually identifying mm-hmm. himself there. So do you guys see the change here in sort of yeah. what's happening? You so we've be been up to four, right? And if you think about it, all the things that have been happening up to chapter 4, you've been seeing Jesus do these things, but he's not really had much resistance. And so here you start seeing for the first time. Oh, is that the rain color? Yeah. It's been lightning oh, like crazy. I have to see who closed the windows. Cool. If someone closed the windows, they can see it. So, did someone close the windows? He just closed the windows. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty fast, huh? <laughs> I'm blind and I don't see you. So, yes. But you see that here. You see now, and so it goes to what you just said. And even I think with Kim was right. I mean, there's, the, the tension is building, and he's actually. I guess we can see he's creating that tension, yeah. right? Um, he had a purpose behind it, right? Right. right. Back up. As Jesus does with everything. Yeah. Well, we're, yeah. We're not, not, yeah. You go. Uh, yeah. Just backing up to the introduction. It's you know it's a you know my theatrical kind of background. I, I love this uh, stage that's set. Um, there's a sheep's gate. There's a pool. Hebrew, it's called Bethesda. There's five porticos. There's mm-hmm. columns. There's a portico. In this lay a multitude of sick, lame, blind, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. A lot of rotten people were in there. And then, this is amazing to me, because I think I'm a Protestant, and I look at the Catholics like who go to places like Lourdes in France to wheel their wheelchair through the grotto to be healed. And we Protestants think, you know, that's pretty foolish. But the word right here says that this kind of thing happens. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I never thought of this before. Mm-hmm. For an angel of... This is John saying, this is fact. He's saying, this is a fact. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever then first, after just stirring the water, stepped in was made well. That's a for sure. Whoever went in first was made well. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big miracle. That's Come on in. So, <laughs> hey, Jesus. Jesus. You just lay yourself down on the table. I will. Are you all wet? It's raining. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, just stay out there. It's okay. There. It's good for you. Yeah, just, There's yeah, trees back here. All right. You guys want to do it? We'll pull it up. Um, 
So, so then, you know, you're in the scene here, and Jesus saw him lying there. So, out of all these people, Jesus picked this guy. You can come in the door. And he knew. Yeah, come over. Let's go there. And he knew that he'd been there a long time. If you're wet already, you stay wet. So Jesus picked maybe the worst off guy there. You know, to make the miracle more amazing. Mm -hmm. He he'd been there a long time in that condition. And so this, that's that's the setup. It's 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 like the uh, Jacob's well where we had the woman at the well, right? What was the well there for over the millennium? Who was there for Jesus to show up and put it in the Gospels? That's what it was there for. And that's what's this portico there for? Why is it so described? And why did he pick the worst guy? No, no, no. It's, it, this is a setup. This is all for Jesus to, you know. And then the other thing I was thinking that's kind of cool at the very end. As this is all about working on the Sabbath, and Jesus answers the Jews, and he says, My father works on the Sabbath, <laughs> and I myself am working on the Sabbath. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's a rule that man can't work on the Sabbath, but you know what? God can work on the Sabbath. Yeah, John. And most importantly, he asks the key question, do you want to be healed? Hmm. And he also raised, yeah, he, said, he, he also said, answer the question. rise up the and walk. didn't answer the question. I mean, that's he answers, he doesn't, does he? Yeah, no. but yeah, he, he didn't say yes or no. No, he <laughs> just says, do you want to be healed? Yeah. Well, oh, that's, oh, that's interesting. Do you want to be healed? The sick man an answered him. <clears throat> he doesn't want to answer the question, does he? No. That's good. I didn't see that. No. I, I think that idea of him asking the question, what Tom said, with like, I researched like the Bethesda pool from uh. like, like a historical like source. Uh -huh. It was like the thing I, I think you mentioned, Tom. Like it would like bubble up every once in a while, and their whole thing was like, "Oh, whoever goes in first gets healed." And um, I think it's like another like brilliant like literary and like metaphorical thing that Jesus does. Like like the well, he's like he's asking for water, and people think it's this earthly thing. Oh, do you want to be healed? Do you want to go in this pool? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's like this desire for that, it seems. But then he like totally takes it to a whole different place. Of like, I mean, obviously he does heal this this person but like he's like bridging like the earthly with like the spiritual almost like he's asking them like an earthly question but responding like spiritually or responding like divinely and think about what does this guy represent right who's he trying to speak to right so he picks a guy who's been there probably the longest mm -hmm. it's the long suffering representation of the Jewish people waiting for the Messiah S seeking this other false hope of healing, right? That over all these years, <laughs> the guy's just been trampled over and not able to get into that, right? Mm -hmm. Just like the Jews in history. But now I'm going to come and I just tell you to stand up. Mm -hmm. Right? It's totally met metaphorical uh, as well, right? Totally. And, yeah, it's, it's just Beautiful. Well, and his response is funny because he's like, he just like he thinks that I, I think by looking at this, he's like, oh, I have no one to put me in the water, and someone walks before me. Like, I, I think he thinks Jesus is asking him, like, hey, do you want help getting in the water, basically? Exactly, because he doesn't know how else am I going to get help. Right. That's the whole point. Hey, dude, I'm here. Yeah. It's right. about time. And the way the Pharisees respond, it seems well, is just the expected response. It seems like this is the beginning of the end of like pagan mysticisms, and you know, you know, he's he's really trying to, you know, the the 
the water is supposed to be healing. And, like, well, we all, we all know and, yeah, and who is healing, not the water. R- right. Yeah. So, so it's, right. Just, it's just big to differ. I mean, it says there, John's telling us the story, and before Jesus showed up, this water stirred by angels healed people. Who said that? Don't, that verse, said the scriptures. That verse, the scriptures. Okay. that verse was added. Yeah. So, yeah. So, here we skip chapter. We skip chapter. <laughs> <four>. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Modification. Okay. So, what's interesting? Oh, yeah. So, this is good. So, sorry to interrupt you here. That's because right. I was going to get to that. Notice what he read there. Yeah. What version did you read? I read from New American Standard. So, if you've read from this, do any of you notice what happens in here? Why don't you guys look really closely at what he just read. Look at what happens in verse 3. Okay. Do you guys notice something here? Number number of invalids. Look closely. Look at at verse 3 on page 28. (laughs) You see it? What do you see, Chase? There's no 4. Very good. Excellent. Do you guys see that? There's no what? There's no what? Verse 4. Oh. <laughs> wow. What does they verse 4 say? What does verse 4 say? Very good question. I'll read it. Was that Tom a later manuscript? Yeah, I was waiting to see whether you guys were going to catch it, which you did. Okay, because you Tom read, read something. If you were trying know, to follow along, he... yeah. If you tried to follow along with Tom and you were looking at your text, you'd go, what? It's not there. That's so funny, because I was just in the car thinking, which Bible may I take out? And I thought, oh, I'll take this one, because it has some references in it. And it's controversial. Yeah. So do you okay. want me to read for it? Please do. Well, yeah, so let, let's let's read. So we'll read three, so we can all sort of follow. And so listen to four, and then we'll talk about so why. Three and four? Yes. So three. And these, meaning porticos, in these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. Verse 4. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in and made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. So do you guys notice that that's not in your ESV version? Now I notice it. It's in here, but it has a footnote. Yeah, so let me add, let me, did you have a footnote yours? What does it say? It's based on a superstition attributed to the stirring of the water to the actions of an angel. And does it say anything about why that verse is not in? No, it just says verse 4 was put in by later Go ahead, you want to say? Very good. Did you guys just hear that? Yeah. Verse, that part that Tom read was put in by later manuscripts. So... This is an example. There's not many, but this is one a good example of where what we do have. I mean, people look in the New Testament like, well, it's been changed, you know. This is a good example of why we're able to even do this or see this is because we have like something like 10,000 manuscripts mm-hmm. of the New Testament. So many, way more than any other book that ever survived back then. So what we're able to see with these manuscripts is we're able to see how they are consistent. And generally, they're 99% consistent. But in this case, the reason why the ESV chose to pull this out was because in the early manuscripts, the earliest closest to the time of Jesus, 
that story was not there. In later manuscripts, it looks like it was added. So that's the reason why it's like, here's one of those ones that is debatable. However, on this case, you talked about superstition. That was a superstition back then, which is probably why it was added. Which is probably um, why Jesus didn't put him in the water. Yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, so... So it's one of those things that we do have some cases like this. Again, 99, I think, it, I don't know what the percentage, 99.95% of everything is the same with all these thousands of manuscripts. But you do have, and we're going to get to another one, when we get to John 8, yeah, yeah, 7 yeah. and 8. We're going to hit another one of those. Um, but it does happen every once in a while. Um, but, that, but what you read, whether it's in there or not, that was a superstition back in that time. Yeah. Um, was this idea around the angels. Has anybody seen The Chosen and yeah. seen the scene in The Chosen? Did you mm-hmm. see yeah. it? I think you watched it. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. This is like, I, I mean, The Chosen is sort of like the newest, you know, way of trying to show Jesus' life. I, I find what's interesting about it is it's showing all, most of what is not even in the Bible. <laughs> so yeah. it's making up a lot of stuff. But this scene... Which they do make up some stuff. This scene is very powerful in The Chosen. I mean, they actually do a pretty good job in this scene of showing this guy, and you see the bubbles coming up in the water, and um, they really dramatize the whole scene. how he became that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting about that in in The Chosen is that what you guys were just reading, right, what you were just reading about um, when he's asking, do you want to be healed? What's interesting in The Chosen that um, he doesn't recognize that that's Jesus. He's, right. he's thinking that he's this guy's coming to him to help him get in the water. And what I was thinking about mm-hmm. when I saw that scene, I was thinking, Samaritan woman didn't know who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. And so, what, back then, obviously, we didn't have, you know, technology or anything to find out what Jesus looked like. But, you know, didn't anybody ever say, like, well, hey, there's this curly, blonde-haired guy that's going to approach you and he's the Messiah. It's just interesting to think that we now look at what we think Jesus looks like. But back then, they know the Messiah is coming, but they don't have no idea what he looks like. Mm-hmm. So here's here's this guy that wants to get healed, and this guy's asking, do you want to be healed? And he's just going, yeah, help me to the water. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Even today, we have no idea what Jesus looked like. No idea. We were talking no... about that this morning. Yeah, we were. Yeah, Gil and I were talking about this morning. We just have no idea what he looks like. I mean, they most, most people try to get back at that day and try to look at what men looked like back in that day. It's very different than the ones you see at, you know, the icons that people make of Jesus. <laughs> With his nice long Blonde hair, hair, you know. Um, looks like Jason. Yeah, look like Jason. <laughs> okay. um, so more but beautiful. you know, in, in, in regard to the chosen, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. that's, that, in my mind, is the closest uh, representation that I've seen, because it, he's just a guy. Yeah, and he yeah. dances, and he has all these things that he just, and all, all of a sudden, you know, he's he's doing something miraculous. But otherwise, he's laughing and enjoying. Yeah, trying to make him the humanity of him. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I would think if I was at a table with Jesus. I I would think everybody else would be, would be laughing, not mm. necessarily jokes, just because life was so joyous. Anyway, who cares what I think? But that's, <laughs> I don't, I don't do. care. <laughs> um, by the way, just so you know, there's already been sort of a vote. You might not be aware of that. When we do, if you ever do like the Easter play, their church, we're going to put 
She's up in the cross. <laughs> Only if you use real nails. Just <laughs> 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 you guys heard that. I got a tape. Real nails. <laughs> real nails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Play that rule real hammers. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. Um, yes, Eric. Um, Pandora's box gets open for me later in this uh, reading. Uh, at going around 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. So the question is, what are the consequences of sin? And did sin put him in that situation? And how do we regard sin and its power and authority in the world? Mm-hmm. Because he specifically says, sin no more. So you have to assume that it was his sin that got him in that circumstance, which is a pretty gnarly circumstance to begin with. Mm-hmm. So what this does for me is it really opens Pandora's box from the standpoint that the consequences of sin are pretty heavy duty. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of verification of that. Well, yeah. we, we know what the wages of sin are. Yes, D-E-A-T-H. <laughs> and, that, and that's it. Yeah. They know, that's, so that's what, career. yeah, so something, so I'm glad you brought that up. So something that's just sort of interesting when you take a look at the Greek verbs here to give an idea of what Jesus is saying, more specifically, see you are well. The you are well, the verb there, so this is in so Greek here. The verb there is what's called a perfect verb. It's in the tense of perfect. You know, we have the tense of past and present. Mm-hmm. Greek has, when you learn the language of Greek, what's super hard about learning Greek oh, is that it's got all just like these. Hundreds and hundreds of verb iterations you have to remember, remember that we don't have in English. <clears throat> but what's nice about having that is in this case, we just can read like, hey, see you were well, okay? Well, it's, in the, it's a perfect verb, and what Jesus is saying is that this is a permanent thing I've done for you. So the perfect tense says, you are well, this is a permanent thing that you always, you, you are well. In other words, what I just cured you of, it will stay that way. <laughs> but then he talks about the sin here. Sin no more. Now the sin no more is what's called in a present tense. And the present tense actually means that he was continuing to sin. So it wasn't just his, they could have done sin no more in the past tense, but it's not. It's in the present, which Jesus is saying, you are still sinning. Stop. <laughs> right? Or you get so, even worse results. Yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, okay. That's so, like everyone else. Right. Like but everyone else. deals yeah. with that? Uh-huh. Behold, oh, you then. have become well. Does yours say that? No, ours just say, see you are well. Behold, you have become, become well. well. Yeah, so and that's good. It, it's a state almost, and like it, you are well. And then it says, do not sin anymore. Mm-hmm. Does yours yeah. say that? Well, it says, just sin no more. Okay, but well, you don't either way, this one, it's like you were saying, you're yeah. not sin anymore means you've been sitting right up to this point of me speaking. Yeah, you're, you're not sinning anymore for you. Right. Well, he's commanding him, don't do that. Um, right. Because, along what you just said, Jason, that nothing worse may happen, what can be worse? That D word. <laughs> right? right. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think it is, though, um, 
sin is necessarily what caused his affliction, but the fact that he was at the pool hoping for salvation and, and healing from something that was pagan. That wasn't that was that was a place that like was culturally accepted, but not he wasn't looking to God for healing. You yeah, know, he was trying to get a pool there. Right. Yeah. All right. Other others that haven't talked yet that you suppose that why later they added the fact that the water was being stirred by angels to try and justify uh, the action. If, if it doesn't say it, or, we, we or they trying to explain the cultural perspective. Right. And that, that might right. be, and usually that type of stuff was caught or whatever, and that's why there's only only a, a few manuscripts after the original ones, because there's so many, that actually started to add this. So it probably... So none of the early manuscripts had it? No. None of them. Consistently. That's the reason why ESV, for example, would just take it out. Or put a footnote, is because it doesn't. So you're right. It, uh, that's the that's kind of a bummer when you want to believe the inerrancy of the Word of God. Well, and I think... That's why it got taken out. Yeah, and that's why I would make the point again that as opposed to one document we found <laughs> that we're trying to measure off of, we're dealing with like 10,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. So many that are so much more than any other book that... Yeah, humans could have made error, but what God, I would say, God ordained here, or God oversaw, was preserving the fact that you can see differences if there are. There are errors. But again, it's something, and I forget, if you guys have read, like, I don't know, Peter, you know, like, the Case of Christ, or some, some places have and sort of tell you the percent, it's like really 99.95, I don't know what it is, percent. Yeah, some there's super the, small percent. People say, like, oh, well, look at these errors in the New Testament. It's like, okay, let's look at them. Yeah, some, <laughs> someone like Bart Ehrman will say that there's, yeah, you know, exactly. 400,000 um, yeah, differences. Yeah, yeah, right, but it's a good like, one. It's, Bart, it's, it's not. It's yeah. not, None of it changes the meanings of anything. It's just maybe Who said this? some comma. Like Bart, He's an Bart atheist. Ehrman, yeah. Bart Ehrman, the yeah. historian. You know, he likes to add down. Yeah. At one point, I think Bart was a very devout Christian and a reader of the Bible and everything, and then he yeah. went full circle the other way. Yeah. 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 I saw yeah. a debate on YouTube once with him and... Right, but I think it Pretty brings out yeah, it, it brings out what you just said, Tom, which is good. Which is, that, yeah, that's true. That we do have these, we do have these things, but thankfully we can see those things, and we have so much things to compare it to that we can see what that happens. So, and what is the version that you were reading where it is concluded? Is, what what was version is New American Standard. Yeah. I can tell you just bought that one. I really like that this. Uh, I, our family got a few of these many, many years ago. They're published by the Lockman Foundation in Absolutely. Alhambra, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, they're giving them away. Hmm. And we had a bunch of them in our house. I have one in my car and one in my room, and then my sister had one. And I um, I looked online to see if I could get a bunch because I thought it'd be a great thing to give away mm-hmm. to new believers mm-hmm. or somebody you meet. Mm-hmm. And and the Lockman Foundation is still going, and they, have, they publish a bunch of Bibles, and they got back to me, and they said, well, we don't publish that anymore. And I said, well, you should. And the guy <laughs> emailed me back saying, well, why? And I said, I'll just send you a link. And it was it was to eBay, one of these, $35. Wow. Wow. 
I said, that's why. And going out and price. Is that smaller than the one that you guys <laughs> led me to? Yeah, that's about... This is just the New Testament. It's called Prophecy Edition, and it's really cool. So it just has the New Testament, and then in the back there are about 50 pages of Old Testament references that verify Mm -hmm. the Messiah was in the Old Testament. I mean, I have it in my car. It's just that I took that picture at that time. It's about this much longer, I think. Um, Others? Yes, Eric? What occurs to me is is that when you first read the story, it's kind of like, okay, the guy picks up his bed and he goes away. But then it picks up later in uh, 15. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. (laughs) And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So here's a guy that should be grateful. Hmm. And yet he goes and blows the whistle that causes the next phase to unfold. I don't think he was blowing the whistle. I think he was just joyful. And he just was answering their question. You want to let him know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to rat him off, though, I don't think. Like, I don't think say, he wanted to rat him off. Or, or if he was one to write him off, maybe that's the reason why Jesus chose him to heal him. Yeah. 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 So yes, what I'm saying is, is right. that yeah. he has a continuing purpose, rather than just being healed and he disappears out of the text. He has a continuing purpose because mm-hmm. what he does when he goes and talks to the Pharisees, they react and then it takes us to the next phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank God he did because otherwise we wouldn't have Jesus' response. To <laughs> exactly. <that. laughs> Others see anything? Yeah, so I guess I'm just noticing how many times um, it's pointing out that Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Jesus is healing every day. Like, here's is my father, right? What what does he say? My father's working until now, and and I'm working. Which is, I guess it's interesting because it says... God made the world in six days, and after He rested, when did He stop resting? When did He, you know, when did he, right? Um, but, but um, Jesus was healing people every day, seven days a week, right? Uh, but it's it's just calling attention to. I don't know if we if I'd have to do a survey of how many how many times was it that Jesus healed, and it was the Sabbath, and it was recorded. Right. There, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff was happening on the Sabbath. Yeah. Like if it's if it's half, like say, you know, half the time the healings mentioned it was on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Well, then, obviously, it's intentional to point out. Yeah. Something yeah. about the Sabbath yeah. because there's so many more healings that went off went on all the other days of the week, and it's and it, they're it's overrepresented who, statistically. Who, whose day is the Sabbath belong to? It's, it's the Lord's Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Here I am, guys. Well, you know what's interesting about you saying that is, um, he's, um, Chase, we're part of the Bible recap, so we're reading through, there's a group in our church right now reading through the New Testament. The, um, one of the things that's, that's, I, we were talking about this a little bit, but one of the things that's weird to me is that we're reading through, what you, well, you, you're doing too. Yeah. So you're reading through the New Testament Trying, they're trying to do it chronologically. You know, what that means is, it's like, I'm reading Matthew 1, then I read Matthew 2, then I read Luke 1, have then I read John the, Matthew 5. Have, have you seen something called the Harmony of the Gospels? Well, yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, do you yeah, have it's that? like the same thing. Yes. Yeah, the Harmony of the Gospels will put 
them all right. lined up, mix, mix and match all of the Gospels together. Exactly. And that's what they're trying uh-huh. to do is use like yeah. that to create their reading program. Okay. But what's weird is I noticed exactly what you just said. You guys were saying that I noticed I, we just had the reading because we just started the New Testament where it was like, it felt like that day that we did all these readings, it was all about Jesus healing on the Sabbath. Yeah. It's all the times he healed on the Sabbath in all these different Gospels. And it just, it's like this echo you keep hearing. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. So you do get that sense like he did that a lot. And these were different instances in this one um, mm-hmm. in the Gospels. Some say. So, yeah. Yeah, but he's healing every day, right? Yeah. But yeah. he's also healing on the Sabbath. But that is what the Gospel writers, that is what God wanted us to know, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's could have been so many instances that could have been recorded, right? Like like John says at the end of his book, for particular reasons, right? To draw the context. Not, I don't think necessarily to say, well, here's the, we're doing away with the old covenant because Jesus says, not not one jot or, jot or tittle will be done away with, mm-hmm. right? He came to fulfill the law perfectly, so he's not breaking the law, mm-hmm. right? He's not. It says here because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but I think from their perspective, because I don't think Jesus was actually breaking the Sabbath. Yeah. Right. right. He wasn't breaking the no, Sabbath from, their, from perspective. their perspective. Right. But he definitely was um, calling himself equal to God. Yes. He definitely was doing that. That's the big one. But he wasn't breaking the Sabbath. And at one point on, on this point, um, Jesus says, which they call out for healing on the Sabbath. Which one of you, if if you had an animal mm-hmm. that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't wouldn't take him out? Yeah. Right. And he's not saying he's not saying that would be wrong or that would be breaking the Sabbath. He's just pointing out their hypocrisy. Exactly. Because I think what he's saying is that's not breaking the Sabbath. If your animal falls into a pit on the Sabbath, pull your animal oh, out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not only that, but if you can heal people on the Sabbath, you can do that. Um, well, I think because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. I think what Jason said was illuminating to me in that recognizing the fact that actually the Sabbath, he was saying by doing that, he was God. This is my day. Mm-hmm. I can do what I, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I do what I mm-hmm. want on my day. Mm-hmm. Or what I need to do. That's why he said that the Father works on the Sabbath, he said, therefore, so do I. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say whether or not he's breaking the Sabbath. They accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. Right. And he just, and he says, he says other stuff. Right. But he never says, yeah. We're looking for um, new stuff in here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we already discussed earlier that, that he found this guy in the portico. So Jesus found him. And then later... So, wait, you said it again? Sorry. You're saying the, the point is that Jesus... I'm coming found to him. the point. Oh, okay. And, and verse 14 says, um, Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. So he found him twice. He was really intent mm. on dealing with this guy. And so what, why? Because the message he had for him was hugely important for us. And he you have been made well. That means, like, if we've been saved, the Lord's saying... You're now clean. That made you well. Uh-huh. Part two, do not sin, sin, sin anymore. anymore. Right. Exactly. 
that's that's the lesson, and um, I don't know about some of you guys, but it speaks to me. I became a Christian at Calvary Chapel when I was about 22, and I went off and sinned like crazy. I lived two, two lives, and, and I mean, my soul was in jeopardy, I think, now that I see the error of my ways. Totally. And, and on that point, and this is a gray area, and I'm throwing it out for you guys to, to think about, and I, I've always thought about it. I used to go to a Calvary Chapel in Idaho, and the pastor there was really dynamic and really great. And for some reason, he said, he told the story of this friend of his in Las Vegas where he grew up. He became a strong Christian, and then he backslid really badly and just, you know, started sinning and, and doing it all. Drugs, girls, everything. And he got killed in a car accident, I don't know how soon after he started backsliding. And the pastor said, God took him home before it was too late. Oh. And I went, what? Sounds like it was too late to me. What do you guys think? I don't know. I mean, how, I like, much, how much grace does it give us? You know? I was going to say, those, those are things we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Those are things like only like God, the parable, the, God the, the, the parable of the seed, right? The, the seed that falls in the yeah. ground, mm -hmm. the stony ground. Um, right. You know, and the one springs ground. up, and it seems like it's like it's good, but it has no root. It bears right. no fruit, right. and so it withers away. Or, you know, and then you have like the story of the prodigal son. The, the prodigal son returns. Yeah, you know that's the difference. And well, yeah, well, you know, Tom, Greg, what you brought up, you know, in in this story, that's a that is the in my, in my mind that is the the issue in the church. Right? That's that's the thing. Hey, I just saved you. Okay? Like you said. I, I claim Christ. I was baptized. I'm in. Cool. I'm in the club. Now, guess what? Are you done? Right? So, once the guy's buddy was in the fold, he, even though he's straight out, he's still saved. But now on the other side, what do you get to do? Right? There, there's that. It's like our, our job, we're here for refinement as disciples. We don't get to just take salvation and do nothing. You can choose to do that. It's a bad idea. Because we're talking about eternity. Right? So when you get on the other side of this concept, what, what is there? We don't know. All I know is I want to be as prepared as I possibly can be in this lifetime while I get to choose that. And you are the and you are the church. That's right. That the that's point right. is, can you lose your salvation by being no? Okay, you can't lose. He, he, the guy couldn't lose his salvation. No, it doesn't 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 mean it's going to be cool though, right? He'll still be judged. We'll all be judged. So how do you want to be judged when you get on the other side? There's a scripture I was looking for and I can't find it. Where if you do double back. You're worse off than you were before. Yes, yeah, but, that, but that, what is that? What does that mean? Is, is, but, is, yeah, but, that, but that means in this right now. Think of the hell that you're going through. How many hard times have you experienced? Yeah, I think it's I think it's in Hebrews. We, I think we hit that in Hebrews. Because but you're oh, the yeah. tort, can you imagine when you sit there in Judgment Day and and you're standing there before God and you know what you did that. Would probably it's an unfathomable almost as bad as being in hell. But don't well, you probably worse? Probably, yeah. Yeah. And that's a tension. I mean, it is something. I mean, we can look at that. There, there is a tension. Hebrews six six. Yeah, there you go. You want to read that? Just uh, read that. 
I use Google to find it, and then I go back to the left. I can do it. Okay. You know, Greg, on this yes. talk about the uh-huh. pool and all this, all these actions that take care on the Sabbath, Jesus only is doing what he is in communication with the Father. He does the Father's will right. all the time. Right. All these things, whether there's an angel stirring the pool, that could be myth, whatever. Maybe that's why they all believe that. Maybe that's just conjecture. It doesn't matter. I think the fact of the matter is that all these things they did on the Sabbath at any time were to bring eventually attention to him as being the one and only God. And at first, you know, he was doing it all very stealth-like, but more and more you get into the New Testament, he's becoming more known, you know, and... He's, it's all God's will. It's God's plan. No matter how you look at it, it is God, the Father's plan with Jesus yeah. to do what's going down. Yeah. Now, picking up yeah. on what Bill just said, uh-huh. if you were to get up and look at the bigger picture of what's happening, what occurs to me is Jesus is calling out the woke culture of the Pharisees. Absolutely. And there would not be a problem unless the Pharisees took offense and pushed back. And it's when they decided to push back and use healing on the, the Sabbath that things changed and that caused the problem. But if they chose to let it go, there wouldn't be a problem. Well, if, if they saw, I mean, think of the, it's again, like the world we're dealing in now. It's just like, just the insanity of it all. The guy's going, yeah, Jesus healed me. Isn't that awesome? Right? And they're like, he healed on the Sabbath. He's like, what are you talking about? I've been crippled for 30 years. Who cares about the Sabbath? Yeah, Look at right. this. <laughs> right? Don't you guys see past your noses? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, exactly. But for them to not do anything, they what they would have had to do, done is realize the miracle that just oh, took place. Yeah, yeah. which would Second challenge their which authority. Would, yeah, that's right. That would crumble their whole world. Yeah. Right. Really Interesting how they were, how people were controlled by the law, well, quote unquote. Well, how they, you know, um, this is the Sabbath. We can't do this. We can't do that. You know, and all these people pontificating and coming around and keeping people um, in prison. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, and you see nothing new under the sun. I mean, it's, it's continued. Continues now. I mean, it's the reason why the reason why the Protestant Church exists, like Confucius, us, is all around because we just did it again. And then found back it. then, it was. Found know, it. Can I read uh-huh. it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Second uh, Peter two. The first phrase are kind of confusing, but it gets to it. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. Those are the people who think they're free. They're, they're Christians, and they're sinning, and they think, well, I'm free, I'm, you know, I'm with Jesus. So they promise him freedom, the sinners promise the sinners. Well, they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Mm-hmm. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and are again entangled in it, and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred mm-hmm. that was passed to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a really good verse that there's a lot of like... <laughs> Can I paraphrase? So, yeah. If you sin so, after you become a believer habitually, 
Is that Hebrew? What was that? What was that? So I have a question for Jason real quick because Uh I'm getting a little... I I remember sometimes I get confused. So coming to this meeting, we've had this talk several times about making choices when you're alive. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Tom, uh, for talking to me about C.S. Lewis. I went through that whole thing. I got the book and I listened to the Audible. And he called me afterward. I was so excited. So... What I get out of this, Jason, is that what C.S. Lewis says, which is really interesting, how he points it out, that, you know, God couldn't, um, he couldn't go through the pain. He had to send his son to do this. And then, and then to save, you know, to save us from sin. And then now he gives us this, this willful choice to choose before he comes and makes judgment. And what you just said, that... There's a judgment after we die. There's another judgment because I kind of always thought that the choice was a willful choice now. There is a choice now, which our choice to put our faith in Christ, and if we genuinely do that, which a lot of the debate about some of these verses is, has someone really made that commitment fully? Or they sort of, that goes to the soils. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to the, look at the parable of the soils, yeah, and then there's, you've got this uh, idea there's, that there's sort of a commitment, but not really a commitment. There's a point of, one time there's a soil that's like, all of a sudden they hear the word and Jesus says, I save you. And they're like, yeah, and they're all really joyous. And soon they fall away. So there's a sense of really saying, and Jesus, I mean, we're saying this in John. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, don't just put your faith in signs. You gotta go further than that. You gotta put your faith fully in me. And what he just said yeah. to this guy is exactly the process. I will save you. And remember, you're a Jew. You're you're are a, you have to live according to the law. But until this moment, you weren't able to. It was impossible by ordained by God. Okay, you could try and try and try. This is why the Pharisees got in the position they, they are, which is corruption, and making up their own rules, because they were so guilty all the time, right? So they didn't work around it. God made them that way to humble them, to get them closer to God, but they didn't do that. So, Christ comes and says, you're clean, I've saved you, but sin no more. And, here's the kicker, now you can actually follow the commandments. Because I have made you clean and capable of doing that. Okay, so let me ask a question. You just said that this man was what? Who? Which man? The man we're talking about, right? Yeah. Are we talking about that? Who we're talking about? We're talking about this man right now. What did you say he was? He was cleansed. 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 What was he cleansed of? Sin. Does it say that? No. It's it's it. He says sin no more. Hold on. Does it say that he was cleansed of sin? No. Okay. What does it take on our part to be cleansed of sin? What 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 does it take to be saved? Faith. 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 Sentence of what did I hear? The faith. word faith. Faith. Number one. Yes. What is the word faith? And the word learning? Pistis. Pistis. Okay. Can you try to find me pistis in this whole section? Not there. It's not there. It's one of the few that isn't. That's correct. 
because everyone else, your faith has healed you. He right. says that throughout the news. Sometimes so, he says your sins are forgiven you too. Yeah, and he's actually yeah. not saying uh, here your sins are forgiven. And the man who is healed, there is no pistis. He is healing someone who has no faith and is not even requiring, this is what Jesus is doing here, which is sort of radical. He's, some of the other instances we see that he sort of like gets the people to where they have faith. And they're saved, right? We just read stories about that. This story does not involve pistols. This story is not about the man Sorry. believing in salvation and believing in Christ. In fact, even the word sin no, sin no more, he's telling him, don't sin anymore. But, the, but it is not about salvation because a man is not responding at all in faith. He is literally just simply... Jesus decided, I'm going to say, I'm going to heal you, not save you. I'm going to heal someone who has no faith to show you the power that I have. So, just as a sort of a... So what would the cleansing be then? Cleansing is, he heals him physically. Just cleanse them. That's right. And you notice that this guy just sort of goes away. He, he doesn't even follow Jesus or anything. So you see in these other instances, you sort of have the sense that the people are actually like Nicodemus. Your favorite. I'm not saying nothing. The question that I have to ask myself, what's the purpose? And the thing I come up with, I think it's God the Father and Jesus stirring up the hornet's nest. Making... Uh-huh. Pissing off the Pharisees, almost like oh, yeah, getting yeah. notice. I mean, you know, because ultimately Jesus knows where he's going, and so does the Father. He's going right. to the cross, right. and I mean, he gets finally down to that point where he's going. God, if there's any other way, but your will first. And of course, we know how the story ends, right? You yeah. know, and it's. I think it's a again, it's purposeful on God's part. And I think it's like he's stirring it up. Yeah. Mike, were you? Yeah, I, saw, I saw, hold on for a minute. No, 100%. Like, you know, this, this, uh, I, saw, I saw your finger doing this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm in agreement. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. You know, this, this, this work was, you know, and this, this uh, man was a vehicle to do exactly that, to, yeah. to stir the pot. You right. know, 15. Right. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Yeah. That, you know, synopsized it right there. Yeah. Yeah. It might even be a metaphor of stirring the pool. Water represents, you know, cleansing. Right. And beyond that, ultimately that guy, he is going to sin again because everybody in this room also sins yeah, again. And if he doesn't yeah. put his faith in Christ, he doesn't That's where it's at. Right. Yeah. And we don't are all diseased. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there there is at least one thing the guy should get credit for. <laughs> oh go ahead, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> the act of obedience. Because he obeyed Christ. Christ yeah. says, mm-hmm. take up your mat and walk. You're right. Yeah. And the man did, right? Right. He healed him. Was he healed on the ground or did, did the act of, in the act of obedience, standing up, he he was healed, he, but he, he obeyed Christ. He obeyed. Christ told him mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. He did it. That was an act of obedience. Yeah, he could be a believer. Whether, sure. or not, whether or not he had to have the faith in order to get up and actually try to do what Jesus told him to do. Otherwise, how can I get up? Right? There's a distinction here, though. It's, you're pointing <laughs> it out, and you're nailing it, and it's interesting, um, the order. Because sometimes Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Before he healed them, that's an act of the will. Before he healed them, they stretched out their hand in an act of will, and then he heals them. In this mm. case, he healed them before this guy made a move. Mm. Did you see that? Yeah. 
<laughs> and look, the, the, you, guys are, Jesus, you guys are reading the text closely. Jesus now. said to him, Arise, take up your pallet and walk, and immediately the man became well. That's the well, order. That's the order. Hmm. Yeah? Huh? It, so immediately he became well, but did he immediately do what Jesus what Jesus told me to do? Also, also. No, then it's then yeah, I suppose then he took it's in order. He took up his pallet and began to walk. Yeah, so in that case you would think he's and the, and the, and the oh, thing okay. that, that struck me when he saw him again was, he said, this is a man, well, first of all, yeah, he had to believe the guy. There has to be some faith there to do exactly that. And then when he speaks to him again, he says, I just walked up to you on the street. I did something miraculous. You were all crazy. And then I said something else with such authority. I told you how to live the rest of your life. Boom. And I just turned around and walked away. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> we we don't know that he did not. We don't know. We don't know We're that. He, we don't even know that he didn't follow Jesus. We don't know. Yeah, He's just not mentioned. Right. He right? might have, or he might have been like like the guy that Thomas talked about in Vegas that just went hog wild and sinned like crazy. He's like, woo! Now yeah. Get the whore, He's bring not, the whores. I'm ready. I can walk. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting thirty something years for this. Yeah. <laughs> He's thirty eight years. Thirty eight years. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I don't think so. And yeah, I don't think so either. Well, again, there's this very, this is a huge section of John based on everything we've seen so far where there's no pistis. Because everything's been about pistis, as we've seen, right? Now there is, it's not there. Yeah. But that's critical. It it is. There's no pistis. It's critical because it's an actual living example. What is faith lived out? Right? Without having to say the word. What is an example of, what what is living through faith? Obedience. O- o- obedience and and Gil, you ready? Sorry, were you trying to get by? No. Okay. Not yet. Sorry. Thanks. Now your orange shirt's totally disappeared. <laughs> 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 I want to know why didn't everybody else at the pool say, "What about me?" <laughs> You know, it was crowded with other people who were sick with all so. kinds of things. But they're all following the Sabbath, I guess. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another, yeah another interesting one. Here's uh, verse 7. You guys are doing great. This is like, you guys are really, like, digging, yeah, digging it. This is like, this, this is what you call wrestling. Verse yeah. 7, the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the wall. Does your translation say, Sir? Mm-hmm. Where is it? Yeah, Which one? Seven. Okay, that's interesting to me because in other healings, they say, what? Hmm. Lord. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. This guy wasn't there. He didn't. He doesn't recognize you. I mean, like the thief on the cross, the reason God's, Jesus saved him, he said, Lord. Right. So right there he says, I know who you are. Definitely. Yeah. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, well, okay, here with me, I know where your heart is. Mm -hmm. This guy's like a stranger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a demonstration of his divinity. Mm Mm-hmm. You can I, can, I, can, I don't need you to have faith in order to heal you. That's right. Yeah. You, though, on the other hand, have something to do, whether it be faith or whether it be not sinning. There's still an interaction that has to take place on our end. So th- that's the point I was getting at with that. Okay. And the idea that we will continue to sin, we don't have to willfully sin. No. Okay? It so will we, will we make mistakes? Will we do stupid yeah. things? Absolutely. Yeah. But but we don't have to willfully sin anymore. No, 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 no. That's, that's, right. not, that's not the, the plan at all. You don't have to go out of your way to sin. It happens pretty naturally. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's true. <laughs> now, how would this fellow know if he was sinning? Or that he had been sinning? That's a good question. Well, they have the commandments. He's a Jew. Yes. That's what the commandments are for. So, um, 1 John 2, so we're talking about sinning. I love this part of 1 John. I love how he does it. He says, 1 John 2, he says, My little children, that's all of us, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Okay? So he's writing to us so we do will not sin. And then he says, anybody know what he says next? And you will believe. But if anyone does sin... <laughs> Okay. So, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins, not ours, but also the sins of the world. So, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we... What? Well, pistis. Pistis. We already put pistis. pistis. Keep but the commandments. Keep the, the commandments. Keep the commandments. Yeah, Excellent. Right? So... There it is. And by this we know that we have come to know him. How do we know the certain way we know that we are saved? That we have that faith, that Keep we're living that out, is that we, our focus is keeping his commandments. Keep his Following commands. Him. Obedience, yeah. So, um, and whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Yeah. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word is truly... In him, truly, the love of God is perfected. I mean, this is the same John that wrote the John yeah. we're reading here. So, Dallas Willard does a great commentary, or just a just a overview of that. Uh huh. He just says, you know, he, he absolutely nails it. But I couldn't, me personally delivering that, I, I couldn't be that brutal. <laughs> but the, you know, it, it's just, yeah. Like Greg, I've got a yes, question. Uh -huh. In 14, you know, this might be way off, um, but how often do we see, and this could be a byproduct of the perfect tense that you were describing in uh -huh. Greek, how often do we see when Jesus is speaking an exclamation point? Well, there is a great question. Very good question. So just like there's no verses in the manuscripts, there is no exclamation points in the Greek language. Okay. So we... Put that Greek, we we put that explanation point in there. That's an English addition. Mm. However, we put it in there because the Greek verbs are what's called in the emphatic mode. Mm. So there is an emphatic mode that signals the translators to put in that explanation point because that's what we in, in English, that's what we do in other languages, I'm sure yeah. do different things. So on one hand, you will not. If you went back to the Greek, you're not going to see an explanation point, mm -hmm. but you will see the emphatic use of the verb, which is why that's true. So, yeah, how many times do you see "see you are well"? So that's emphatic. So it's he's like, excited for this this man. Yeah, yeah you are well. Okay. Yeah, the font size is a little bit bigger. <laughs> the carving. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah. It's a larger chipper. I don't know if you guys have ever had. Did you guys? Did anybody ever get a chance? I did this years ago to go see the um, Qumran, the um, Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls. Thank you. Did anybody see that when it was here? Did you say the SC Scroll? Yeah. The Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Did anybody ever see those when they were here? They were actually in San Diego, and I remember I drove all the way from the Bay Area. I think it was about like that. 
drove all the way from the Bay Area with, with Ryan. Ryan and I drove it out here like in one day. You two? Did they have uh, it all? But not us no, two, but oh, oh, we, were, we, yeah. we were at the same church up there. Oh, okay. And then Ryan, who worked for me when I was a pastor up there, um, him and I found out about them like in one day. We decided to drive all the way from the Bay Area down to San Diego so we could see the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we did that because we were going through learning Hebrew. And so we were like in our second year or something of Hebrew. And so I was like, I want to be able to see, like, see if I can actually read, read something. The real thing. Yeah. Scrolls. Yeah. And, and it is crazy when you look at these things. They're like, the type is like this big. Uh-huh. And it's just amazing how they wrote. And I think it was maybe on stone. It was on something. And But I was actually able, I was looking for one word in Genesis 1 that I had learned in Hebrew, which was um, um, Shemaim. Which means sky, heaven, or heavens is all the same word. And I was able to actually see that it <laughs> on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Wow. Um, but anyway, it's weird because when you look at the Greek manuscripts too, if you ever get a chance to actually look at an original Greek manuscript, it's just like you. How do they? It looks like all the letters are together. You don't even look like you see spaces. It's just yeah. crazy. No uh, punctuation at all. Like no punctuation. No. no, nothing. Same with Hebrew. Hebrew yeah. does not. When it was originally written, it had, when Jesus talks about dot and tittle and stuff, it didn't even have a lot of those things way back in that time. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Other things? I'd like, I'd like to share something. Uh-huh. Um, how much we're cared for and brought to where we have to be. Mm. I've been on the, uh, I, I was on the borderline of making a decision which uh, would have been, I think, Contrary to God's will, period. Um, it was a decision between a friend and me, a woman. And got to the edge of the, the precipice. And I said, no, I can't do that. I've just got to obey what I know is, is real. And honestly came tonight in the whole discussion practically. And I wasn't going to come because I wasn't feeling well. But I thought, okay, i got to go. i got to go. You're pushing me out the door, God. And I just want you to know, I, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but only because we we are guided and guarded and watched over and we tend to have, forget that. Mm. When we come to tough stuff like this, um, We're cared for. We're cared for to keep from sinning. We're cared for so that we don't backslide. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to backslide. I just wanted to share that with you because it has astonished me tonight at how absolutely each thing we've talked about has been right in my face. Mm. No better balls. Huh? Yeah, no better balls. No better balls. Yeah, I, each time it's been a strike. Um, so, anyway. You know, that, that is something that every time I bring it, that just brings me to tears in my own life. That the idea of the way God loves us is, is you know, the, the whole shepherd when it's sheep strays too often and puts itself in danger, the, the shepherd will break its leg and put it around its neck for... And the, the leg heals relatively fast, but it'll keep it around his neck. Carry this thing around for six months. 
And after that, that sheep never leaves that shepherd's side for the rest of its life. And you think about that. Okay, we're God's children, right? And I look at my dog. And the idea of loving it so much that it would break its leg to keep it from dying is like too much to bear. But the idea of doing that to your own child, right? The way that God, like David speaks of his leg being broken, right? Oh, it just brings me, it just blows my mind. I think that's the meaning of Psalm 19. Oh, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, take care. Make that bus. Come again, Chase. He's got to catch a bus to get home. Where does he go? He lives in Mission Viejo. So he has to catch the bus. He doesn't have a car. He has to catch the okay. bus to go up 133 at Mission Viejo. Anyway, um, there's one more point about that I wasn't making if it comes up. I'll, sorry. I'll, uh, no, that's right. Um, I'll bring, I'll, I'll try to go. You know, if we go right to the, we go right to the precipice. Oh, I know. You know where uh, in Psalm 19 it talks about presumptive sin? Keep me from presumptive sin. Presuming I'm saved. Presuming I can sin and be, be, and be, there can be some sort of um, lack of recompense. We need to be so careful we don't presume on Christ's mercy. And I, I, I thank you guys for your insights and the love and compassion you give to one another. That's why I feel I could, I could say what I, what I need to say. I want to say thank you, Jason, because I, until you said what you said, I thought I'd never broken a bone in my life. Yeah. I realized I've broken all my bones oh, many times. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Eric? Um, I went through a period where I thought a lot about this, and what I realized is, is that Sin happens as a matter of a choice that I make. And a lot of times when you make that choice, you know that it's not a good choice. And so once you make that choice and you realize it, then it calls into what do you do knowing that it was a conscious choice? Because what's essentially happened is you've left the relationship that God died for was to bring relationship back with us. And when we sin, we break that relationship. And so what is the key that truly brings you back into relationship? And the word that I found in my studies was you have a contrite heart. And a contrite heart for me is you realize what you've done to your relationship with God. And you're truly sorry, and you literally weep because you're the one that's ruined it. Mm-hmm. And and it's not until you go to that deeper level and, and are truly sorry for what you've done as a matter of that choice that I think that the relationship can be truly re-solidified. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's a deeper level, and I'm, I'm less, you know, and I'm thinking... Okay, there are choices, and okay, I did that, you know, forgive me, Lord. No, it's a real, very deep problem that you've caused in breaking that relationship through the sin. And I mean, that's the word repentance. I mean, contrite heart, repentance, or actually I'm learning because I'm 
trying to study for a sermon the Sunday I'm giving, oh. which has the word repentance in it. And it's interesting because there's two words that is used, I don't want to say like for repentance, but there's two, two phases of it. One is repentance, which is a recognition that you have done wrong. But the other word, which is not the same Greek word, which is, is turn to God. So there's a recognition, I'm doing something wrong, but then there's the act of actually, which is obedience, really, of turning to God and saying, I'm not going to do so we turn to him. We we do what you just said. We reestablish a relationship with him. Is it metanoia and metatauta? Or is, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I was trying to look for it earlier today before I came up there. There's, yeah, there's two words. and they, one, one means turn to God and one means like... Change your mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think repent, the one mostly translated repent is change your mind. The other one is the actual turn to God. Turn to God. I'm just yeah, sort of saying... One more. Let's do it. Yes. One more observation and you guys want to turn to verse 19. We didn't quite get there, did we? <clears throat> beyond where we read. But... I think no, that's that's six weeks from now. I think This opens up the the, heav- the heavenlies and shows us what's going on. And it never occurred to me until tonight. And Jesus is being slammed and threatened in the verse ahead. They're, they want to kill him. Right. And what does he say? He doubles down. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. So, he's, Jesus is saying, my Father does things like heal this guy who's not even a believer. My Father can do that, and he does do that, and I'm doing it. And so it, it brings to mind, like you're in the hospital, and room one has a Christian family, and they're whooping it up because the guy was on his deathbed and he was miraculously safe. And all the Christians in there go, wow, God is dead. No, no, no. Room two, bunch of heathens. He can be miraculously safe like that too. That's, that's what God does. That's right. he's, he's that powerful. Yeah. And, uh, and Jesus is saying, what my father does, I do. Yeah. So, I mean, I take great solace in that, that, I mean, Jesus we love, and he, we can identify with him, but God's in the business doing whatever he wants. Yeah, God the Father. We're, yeah, and, and, and stuff that makes no sense to us. Yeah. Or we don't think it's justified. Or, mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus is his, you know, he's like his uh, a hand on earth. Yeah. He's here for a while. God's in control. Our, our job's to show up. That's all we have to do is show, keep showing up. And in that regard also, as I was describing, when you come to a precipice, and we all know the boundaries of our, of our strength and what we've been given to do. For example, you're watching TV and there's something that is uh, enticing and you continue to watch when you know what it's going to do to your consciousness. When we get to that place, that's we have to be strong enough to say, that's a boundary I won't cross. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'd be willing to bet every one of us have faced that, and probably and every we'll day. And we continue to do. Yeah, right. and we will continue to do until we die. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this has been an important study for our 
setting of our own boundaries with sin. Because we know when we're sinning. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, I'll share yeah, And remember that we've been given the gift of the Spirit to live in us. That that Spirit is the same Spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. It says in Romans. That Spirit in us has the power if we let that Spirit to stop us from sinning. That's how we ultimately stop us. We call upon God and say, I can't do it. Stop. And you, you're not just on your own, like, pull up my bootstraps. You've got to do something, but also you're calling on God to say, We're not strong this. enough necessarily right. on our own. Right. And the Spirit is, <laughs> in your case, and that's what he wants us to know. Right. We can't do this alone. Right. right. It's too strong. If we could see how strong the enemy is, we would be overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, Lance never gave up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if I could, um, mm-hmm. Tom, you brought up a point in Hebrews. You want to find that verse where it talks about, you know, it would be better for a person mm-hmm. to not know the righteous way. The righteous way. And when I was thinking about that, listen to everybody, I was thinking of my own sin. People have been talking about, you know, sins. We all sin. Well, if we all sin... And we know the way of righteousness. Where the verse is talks about that if you know the way of righteousness and you sin, you're you're like worse than ever. <coughs> but he's talking about false teachers. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about anybody in this room to the point of wrong and sin. We all know the right way, and we got to turn and repent. But it's not a dead end because I sin. To, but because I sin today, it's not a dead end because I know Christ is is with me, and you know because I I was thinking about that ever since you brought that up and and that and and I, 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 I went back. Wait, the context is false teachers. Well, of course, a false teacher up there. You know, telling people this is what you need to do, need to do, need to do. He's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, you know, I I love the point that you that was brought up in Hebrews, but it was it's 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 relieving to know that wait a minute, there's something wrong with that. But it was just so, it's based on it's all about false. Yeah, well, I think in Hebrews, is, are you looking at Hebrews? No, this is or is that Peter? This is Second Peter. Yeah, so Second Peter. Yeah. Um, and I think, so it's, a, it's sort of going along with what you said. A reminder again, too, is that Paul says, I think it's Ephesians, he says that we've been given the Spirit. So, and hear this, when we put our faith in Christ, we're given something. All right? It's only God who can take that away. But we're given that Spirit. And it says in Ephesians, it is a guarantee for our salvation. So when you look there, you go, if that's spirit, and I'd go with Paul, Apostle Paul, and say, if we really are true believers who have placed our faith in Christ, we have in us the guarantee that we are going to have eternal life with yeah. Christ. Now, does that mean we still can't sin? Of course we can. Can that mean we can still try to go away? But we can also have the confidence that we've got a spirit in us that's going to do everything to give us bring terror into our lives to get us to turn and follow him. You got it. And you see that in real believers who really are like 
just trying to go away, and, and God is just saying, he's, doing what he's, doing, but he's breaking every leg and saying, okay, stop it. I'm taking you with me. Yeah, we, we also have an advocate with the Father. Yeah, so. exactly. First, uh, First John two one. My yep. dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and on, not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. We have we have a God who is faithful. <laughs> or, anyway, let me close then. Yeah. Um, and then Tom just introduced what we're going to pick up next week, which will be good. Um, I would. Um, Tom always knows. <laughs> <laughs> or Jason, one of the two. Um, <laughs> would request, would ask that you guys pray for me this week. Um, I'm doing a, I'm preaching on this Sunday the rich man of Lazarus, um, parable, and um, yeah. So, Laguna Beach. Yeah, so anyway, just ask for prayer for. What did you say? Divies. Yeah. Picture of hell. Yeah. Um, Could we just pray for you right now that you've asked for it right now? Yeah, and you guys can. Yeah, and I just, and and do this week too, just because I mean, I'm barely have gone really into knowing where I don't, I just want to listen to God, study, and. um, Father, help this wonderful man to just do a great job. To represent you and make it clear to people this is a tough parable, a tough saying. Please, uh, Father, just may he bring it clearly and perfectly to mind and that your presence is there. That's his stuff. Why don't you close us off in prayer, Gil? Just, Can I thank you. just give a yeah. mini prayer before Please you do, do yours? <laughs> well, you've got the mini Bible, so it's <laughs> And you have a mini brain. You do it twice. Make sure it's time. mini. <laughs> Don't take offense, Tom. <laughs> you need my shirt, Tom. It's a footnote prayer. Yeah, anyway, go ahead, Tom. Well, it relates to the scripture. So, why don't you, you just close the brother? Yeah, you, right. I want Gil to close this. I want Gil to close this. I want Tom to close this. You're the prayer, Tom. So, I will give you a brief prayer addressing <laughs> yes. this from Revelation 6 4. Yes. And you guys can read it. Read, read chapter 6 when you have time. And then this is uh, when the Lamb brought out the seven seals. So, God started to judge the earth. And another red horse went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, that men would slay one another. Lord, we're, we are in great anxiety with the state of the world today. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's talk of Armageddon. There's talk of nuclear exchanges. It's never happened in my lifetime, except perhaps during the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is serious. Are we in the last days? Enlighten us, Lord. Give us bravery and strength to deal with it if we are going into them. We pray for all the for all the, the families and wives who have lost loved ones, whether Russian or Ukrainian. Tens of thousands of them. There's no peace coming from the West. We just want more fighting. No peace overtures. More death. Lord, bring peace to the hearts and minds of our so-called leaders and minister to 
all of us who live in fear and minister to those who are hurting in Europe and in Russia. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.